Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Multifamily Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Wilbur, and today I was fortunate to sit down with Devin Lusk. She is the Director of Marketing at American Landmark, one of the most prominent portfolios in the multifamily industry, and I'm fortunate to call Devin not only a customer, but a friend. And in this episode, we dig into what it looks like to partner with your vendors and suppliers in the multifamily space. I think Devin has mastered this, not only the process of finding the right partners, but turning those partners into a true extension of her team. This is a fun conversation. It was fun to get tactical too, to really talk through what it looks like to make the most of these partnerships. And I hope you enjoy. Let's get into it. Devin Lusk, welcome Hi. to Modern Multifamily. Thank you. I'm excited. Most people know who you are. And for those who don't, would you mind taking just a second to tell me and the audience a little bit about who you are and what you're up to in the industry? Yeah. Um, I am the director of marketing for American Landmark Apartments. We have um, apartment communities throughout the Sun Belt, um, Texas, Arizona, Tennessee. So we've got quite a few. Um, today, we have about 101 properties, and this year is going to be a big one for us. We're super excited, um, but I've been in the industry for just over 20 years. 20 years is a long time. Yeah, and, I don't like to say that. And in 20 years, you've surely had like highs and lows in terms of what it's been like to work with partners and technologies that have helped you, um, you know, progress and also make things happen in your various companies and roles. Um, what have some of the big changes been like 20 years? I mean, technology's obviously changed, trends have changed, but what's what's that been like? That's a long time. We started with typewriters when I was on site. You know, we had to manually type and carbon copy. We didn't have, um, you know, we had DOS-based programs. So it was very simple and um, it was a lot harder, I feel like. We had a lot more paper. I don't think people that least now realize how much work we had to do back then. Technology has really come a long way and it's made <laughs> everything so easy. So someone like you, that's, you know, figuratively grown up in multifamily from a career standpoint versus people that come in from outside and then enter, you know, at a corporate level, do you think that's a strength to have experienced kind of the old days versus the new days? Or is there like, what's, what's that done from a perspective standpoint for you? Yeah, for sure. It's, um, you know, if you don't have experience on site, you have no idea what these people are going through, whether you're in um, my team, you know, both team members that I have had no experience on site when I hired them. So they both spent time with the on-site teams to understand what it's like on a daily basis to deal with showing apartments and the amount of work that they have to do. A lot of people take it for granted and don't realize how much work our on-site teams are doing every day. And having to, you know, work with our residents, especially when they're grumpy, um, you know, you don't realize that it's a difficult customer service job sometimes. And we often talk to our accountants, um, even that disconnect from just assuming that our onsite teams know what they're asking for. You know, when you're working day to day on site and you don't have all of this time and somebody has never been able to experience that or what you're looking at in an, a ledger, it's just a completely different experience. So you run marketing for American Landmark ALA 
And when you think about like tackling the important work uh, for your company, what does the thought process look like, Devin, when it comes to doing it on your own as a marketing team versus finding the right partner, vendor, supplier technology to help you accomplish goals? I'm sure that's a big decision. It is. You know, I would rather do it in-house unless it's going to make our jobs easier and create a more efficient process for our on-site teams. In order to bring somebody new into something that we already have an efficient process for, it has to be a benefit. Um, You know, we've added people and partners in before that have made things more difficult and the onboarding has been hard. The training has been hard. The system hasn't worked the way it was supposed to. And it just creates more confusion um, and more friction, really. And at the end, it's more work for my teams on site. Whether it's more work for me and my internal team really isn't that big of a deal. It's when it gets down to our on-site teams that really makes a big difference. What we do and what we roll out really needs to be, um, you know, buttoned up when it comes to our on-site teams. So a portfolio of your size, like the the change management uh, is obviously so much more significant versus someone who has a thousand units and four or five properties. How, what does it look like for you, let alone like the rest of your like leadership and executive team to make decisions that are good for the portfolio, but also good for your residents, good for your properties? Because I know the state of overwhelm can become real for for property teams, site managers, things like that. It definitely can. We we try our best to, you know, pilot things and pick, you know, different properties, some that have different clientele, some that have different on-site team members with different knowledge of things, and really roll out a good pilot in order to make sure that it's going to work well for everybody. It's not always the case. We don't always get to do that for a great period of time, but that's our ultimate goal is to be able to pick you know, different clientele and different team members to be able to test things and make sure it's going to be efficient for everybody and really be a benefit for all of our residents. Um, We are lucky that we really target uh, basically the same type of properties and the same type of clientele. And we have, you know, our little niche market that, you know, we basically stay in. So we're very lucky with that. And we have great employees. So we've been really beneficial or that's been beneficial for us. And I, I would think that the focus from a like niche standpoint on the property type, the market probably gives you the ability to come up with an American landmark playbook so that executing becomes a little bit more of a roll out the carpet and execute versus going back to the drawing board with every acquisition and takeover. Is that true? It is. And we, so we primarily focus on, you know, our a C property when we purchase it and do a value add and bring it up to a high B. But we did go back to the playbooks um, during COVID. We started buying um, new construction deals and have really started focusing on some A properties, which has been really fun for us. It's nice to kind of mix it up. And we weren't sure how long that was going to last, but we ended up continuing on with that. So now we continue our value add, which is what we primarily stay in. But we have continued on with our A plus properties as well. So an A-plus property versus a value add from a marketing standpoint specifically, how different is that approach from a creative brand digital standpoint versus all of the things you're doing to turn that C into a high high B? 
It really depends on the area for us. You know, we know our our areas and our target neighborhoods pretty well. We stay in the same areas and it's what we've always done through the history of Landmark. And, you know, it's easy for us to be able to target and know our audience. So whether it's our B audience or, you know, transferring and learning our A audience, now we have a playbook for both. So it was a little bit of work to go up to an A, but most of us have history in working on A-class properties and new construction. So it was just going back to what we've already done in the past and then applying it to what we do now. That makes a ton of sense. So I, I want to talk to you about like how you partner with your your vendor partners or suppliers. And first, what do you call them? I've, everyone calls them different things. <laughs> I don't really care personally. I'm on the I'm on the vendor side. But what what's the right word? I know it's a, a, a minor but real debate in the space. Everybody's got their own term. For me, it's a partner. And I just I really value my partnerships with those people that we hire and that we work with. And when I was on site, of course, they were just vendors to me. I didn't really have that relationship. I didn't pick a lot of those people. But now that I'm in this role, I've really started to learn and understand those relationships and partnerships and have been able to pick each individual person that my department works for. Um, Our company is very gracious in the fact that they allow us to have a large role in being able to pick everybody that works directly with our department and make those decisions. So partners, Uh, I love my partners. I know that. And I'm fortunate (laughs) to be a a small part of that crew. And uh, I guess, Devin, I'd love to start with kind of like how you go about making decisions when it comes to selecting uh, a partner. Like you obviously identify a a problem or a pain or something you need to solve for. Um, do you just go back to your Rolodex? Do you look to LinkedIn? Do you look to conferences? Like, how do you go to find those potential partners when you're embarking on, you know, an exploration phase for for finding a new partner to solve a challenge? References are always really good. I've been in the industry so long and my siblings are in the industry as well. So they are kind of my first go-to like, hey, who are you using for this? And how's your experience been? Even with some of my current partners, if I have any hiccups, it's like, hey, are you using this person? Are you experiencing this? So I really heavily rely on um, those people in the industry that I've had relationships with that are still in operations. But I have almost an interview process for all of my partners. You know, I am very anal when it comes to certain things. So I'll create uh, an Excel spreadsheet of everything that I want, all of my current challenges with my current systems or whatever I'm shopping, what I want to get out of a new system and make sure that whoever we're using is going to be a better fit. There's no reason to change if it's not going to be beneficial. So I will literally check boxes with every person I meet and ensure that, you know, we can work out what we need to work out if we're going to move forward with a partnership in the future. And I've seen a little bit of both in my experience, but do you find yourself defaulting to, you know, a proof of concept or a test, or do you tend to do a thorough job in evaluating, taking reference calls, demos, et cetera, and then go all in when it comes to making a change and implementing something new? I usually go all in. I'm kind of an all-in person. I, I like to test things myself. I love to have a nice test environment. I don't always take what somebody's telling me as the truth. I want to make sure my reporting looks good and that things are going to integrate. Um, that's a big thing for me. And as you know, 
everybody has to integrate with Ren Dynamics for me. I it's not even a, a real thing for me. Like if I'm talking to somebody and they don't integrate with Ren Dynamics, come back to me when you do because that's number one for me. Is you have to work with my systems. I don't have time to sit and wait. Work on this first. Show me that you can do this, and then come back to me and we can talk. That's always number one on my checklist. Um, and then once I can see that everything integrates and that you check all of my boxes and it wasn't just talk, then we go all in. We literally roll it all out, all 100 properties. You know, we just did a, a change of our websites and digital advertising all within 60 days on 90 properties. Sheesh. It's huge. Um... It's a lot. But we, you know, we're small. It's a team of three for 100 properties, but we go all in and we give it all we have. And that's what I expect from my partners. So let, let's talk about that. I mean, obviously, when you bring on a new partner, you're you're expecting them to operate as an extension of your lean but mighty marketing team. And what does it look like to partner with these companies and to hold them accountable to have fun, but also to move at the right pace. Like there's a ton to unpack here, but I want to talk about what it looks like <laughs> to do this well, uh, and to, like teach, create some wisdom for people on how they can better partner and like strengthen these alliances. You know, I think a lot of it just has to do with the relationship in general that you're having with somebody. Um, one thing that I am with all of my partners is very transparent whether it's good or bad. You ask me for feedback and you're going to get honest truth. Um, if you tell me, are you interested or you're not, I really want to know. And I tell you that I'm not, I want you to take that and really understand that. Um, and so a lot of people have told me that they respect the transparency, again, positive or negative that they're getting from us. And I, I expect that in return from my partners. I want them to not be afraid to be transparent with us. And I think that's extremely important. If there's something we're slacking on, we need to know. We need to give 110% just like our partners do. It's not a one-way street. You guys do not work for me. We work together as a partner. And I, I feel like it's extremely important that every one of my partners understands that. Each vendor needs to know that we are here 110% and we will take responsibility for making the relationship work. So accountability is a big thing, though. You said that, and that's one of my favorite words. I love accountability. We will take it every day. If it's a rollout and we're a mess, we're going to take ownership. But I expect my partners to do that also. The worst thing to do is for me to catch you in something. And it's like my boss would say, your mom always says, like, if I come to you and I say this is a problem and then you deny it, like, we just need to have that mutual respect. And I feel like that's where a lot of partnerships have started to unravel is when we start to lose respect or the line starts to come up. So um, the respect is everything. So, I mean, I think you just said a couple like really important things. Extreme ownership on both sides is important. Probably, you know, being like radically clear together on what good looks like so that we know what we're charging towards. 
being comfortable and being radically candid uh, and honest together. And I think one thing I've always appreciated about you is that you're one of the first people to pick up the phone versus having the over the email volley that can be so, so <laughs> painful in, in these like, you know, partnerships who are often not in the same market. But are there things that you've done, whether they're small or big, that have really helped you create these habits? Because you know how to partner with people better than most. And you also do go deep and go fast with the companies you partner with. And I think that's such an opportunity to teach others how they can do that. Is it just communication? Is it prioritization? Is it the, is it the attitude that we work together? You don't work for me. What What is it that makes that different for you? I think it's just being yourself. It's taken me a long time to embrace who I am in my role. There was a long time where because I was younger and didn't have the experience of some people in my role that I just constantly doubted, did I have what it took to be in my role? And once I embraced that, I naturally just was who I was. And that's kind of when I started to be more transparent and be a better partner for everybody. Um, that's also one thing about me is, you know, the people that I work with, I love. And it's very important that I like people that I work with. Of course, I'm not going to always be best friends with everybody. And for anybody who's listening, the first time you talk to me on my account, I probably told you I don't have time for lunch or don't ask me to go to lunch because we're super busy. Um, and it's not that I don't have time or want to socialize with people. I just often don't have time. And I'm not somebody you have to schmooze. You don't need to take us out to fancy dinners or take us out to lunches. For me, it's about the working relationship and, you know, not just the people, the system, the software. Is it what we need? Is it what we value? And then also making sure that relationship is where it needs to be. So I don't really know if that <laughs> answers this question. I think it's just me being me and honest with people and, you know, making sure that there are boundaries and set expectations to everything. I have one last question for you. And first, if it's okay, I'm going to share like my belief on something here. <laughs> of course. Like I, I, I believe that technology should be good. The service should be good. It's it's important that what you're selling is going to do what you're saying that it can. And um, if it doesn't, like, shame on you. Go go work for a company that's actually solving challenges or, or doing good in the industry. Um, and I'd say that's like half of it. Like half of it is the solution is good. Yes. Most companies, in my experience, miss on the soft skill side of the partnership with companies like American Landmark or companies that are, you know, even bigger, even smaller. And they, they don't communicate often. They think they communicate enough, enough and they don't, they don't get clear on expectations. They, they think they understood the outcome and they deliver a product that was red when the client clearly asked for white. Mm -hmm. um, and they develop this almost like intimidation factor. And as soon as something starts to go wrong, they hide from it. They throw it under the, you know, the rug and they just let that small thing that could have been easy to own a year ago become the reason that that renewal never gets done because right. that one little miss just never happened. Those are some of like my core beliefs. But the question I have for you, Devin, I guess, is for people that are listening, especially on the technology or supplier side, 
if they wanted to try to stand out and be that premier partner to any of their clients, what are the things you'd recommend that they do? They might think they're doing them well today, but what are those table stake things that if they do them and do them often, they'll stand out? So one thing that I have noticed recently um, that has stood out to me more is when people actually care enough to get to know me, not just saying they know who I am or that they've seen me on LinkedIn, um, actually getting to know me as a person. And it's not sending me a bottle of wine at Christmas. I don't drink wine. I often don't drink at all. And when I do drink, you have to know what to send me. That's Don't send me a bottle of wine. I'm not going to drink it. I'm going to put it right in the trash or give it away. And I'm probably not even going to read who it's from. And you probably don't want me to read it anyway, because now I have a bad taste in my mouth. Um, and I had, I posted it on LinkedIn that I recently had two partners who, you know, really took the time to get to know me over the last few years and really did two outstanding things personally that over the last year, it was just like, wow, this is amazing. These people aren't my friends. They're not my family, but they really just took the time to not schmooze me, but just do something small that really meant a lot. And those are the people that stand out, not big things, just something little, you know what I mean? It's, it's all about don't send me a LinkedIn message. That's personal. And then as soon as I accept you, there's a giant sales pitch. Like I'm immediately going to delete your message. Be a person. Actually try to stand out. Don't just do one standout message. Continue to be a standout person. And, you know, you just have to continue working at it. It's just like everything else. Um, You just really need to be good at your job. And you need to have a good system. That is half of it. If a system doesn't work or the process doesn't work, listen to your clients, listen to your partners. You have to be able to be open to criticism of things. And what processes work for one vendor or one client don't always work for others. I had a rollout that was kind of a mess from both sides, mine included, because we were a hot mess. And they were kind of a hot mess. And we definitely took responsibility for our hot mess. But a lot of it was the process and that we weren't checking in with each other. Do your check-ins, like set your expectations and make sure everybody is on the same page. Because if you're not all on the same page and you're not checking in, months will go by and it builds up. And then you're like, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. When it could be something that's really fantastic if you can just get past that. Spot on. That was super good. Well, do you have any questions for me before we wrap up and I give you a few minutes back in your vicious beginning to January? Oh, Mike, I feel like we always have questions for you. Um, No, I don't think I do, except for maybe any updates that are exciting about Rent Dynamics. And um, well, what do you look for in a partner? I should ask you that. So yes, lots of cool stuff being built. We're doing a big product roadmap um, session this next week, which I'm excited about. I have a few things to share, but I'd say that what I what I look for um, is clear clear um, direction on what they want out of us, um, regardless of the product, service, or thing that you do on the the supplier side. Um, 
if someone doesn't have like a clear vision of how we're going to fit into their ecosystem or even into their team, typically it ends up being pretty painful on both sides. Um, but when there's like thought and energy going into like what they're looking to accomplish, um, think a vision board for, you know, the solution, it tends to be an opportunity for us to be a hell yes or a hell no. And that always Mm -hmm. feels good to me. I don't really like the, the maybes when we get started with someone, but like, no, we are going to solve for this challenge and we're going to crush together. Those are the ones that feel good and end up being the long-term partnerships, friendships, all the things that we've talked Mm -hmm. about today. Yeah. And I mean, we um, definitely started out, you probably didn't know what to do with me the first time you met me. Um, <laughs> but, I'll never forget it. <laughs> but um, our relationship was really great. And, you know, you worked at a company that was very dear to me for, you know, one of my most important partners. And um, then you are now with one of my most important partners. So, that's something that I have been very lucky to continue is my relationships outside of people leaving. Um, I've been able to learn about new softwares and systems and different things that I may not have been open to before because I have made such great connections with people and have been able to trust and value my relationships. And trust is a big thing for me. If you break that, like we no longer have a relationship and you get one shot because I feel like I'm pretty easy and open and I want you to be honest with me. Once you break that trust, that's it. So, you know, we joke about some of my original people from our team, you know, and I see them at every um, conference that we go to and they're all with different companies now. And every one of those people I still keep in contact with And they would be some of the first people I would trust to try new products with because they're honest. Yeah, that goes such a long ways. That's huge. You know, I just always value our relationships. I agree. I think um, at the end of the day, we work with people, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very lucky to work with my group of people. Well, I think you're easy to find on LinkedIn, so I'll include your LinkedIn in the show (laughs) notes. Uh, You have some of the best hair in the industry. And I think my first high five and hug will be in Napa here in a couple months at Social Media Summit. Yes, I'm very excited. That is my favorite conference. My whole team will be there. Um, Very excited. Lobster boil. Really good speakers, great weather, anybody that's watching, if you haven't come to Social Media Summit, although I don't ever want it to get too big. So not everybody come, just kind of keep (laughs) it, keep it kind of quiet because it's like the perfect size right now, but Social Media Summit. I'll include my promo code for a little discount for people that want to come <laughs> in the show notes if they got I know. this far. I was like, man, they need to pay me for this. That one I is know. though. It is my favorite conference every year. I will never miss it. Okay. Well, I can't wait to see you and thank you for jumping on today. Yes. Thanks, Mike.